Savitri, Book 5, The Book of Love, Canto 2, Satyavan. This is part one of two parts. It's on pages 392 through 395. Today is the day that Savitri will find her mate, Satyavan. It is a day of fate. Sri Aurobindo opens this canto with the words, All she remembered on this day of fate. And then he goes on to describe the beautiful place of their meeting as it is seen through Savitri's eyes. The sunshine, groves full of flowers, the green grasses, the breeze is like a sigh of happiness, the endless woods, the high mountains. He says, Earth in this beautiful refuge, free from cares, murmured to the soul a song of strength and peace. And then, here first she met on the uncertain earth, the one for whom her heart had come so far. There is an author's note at the beginning of the book where Sri Aurobindo says, Satyavan is the soul carrying the divine truth of being within itself, but descended into the grip of death and ignorance. And in other places he says that the Supreme Master, the Supreme, is the soul, and the Divine Mother is nature. In Book 1, Canto 4, he explains how the Supreme is incarnated in the human body by saying that he has a mortal session in Earth's house, that he is an aimless traveler between birth and death. He says, the all-conscious ventured into ignorance. The all-blissful bore to be insensible. Incarnate, in a world of strife and pain, he puts on joy and sorrow like a robe and drinks experience like a strengthening wine. The Supreme does all this through his divine force, the Divine Mother. Her only desire is to bring him into his full consciousness through all the evolution of the universe, the universe that she creates and that she is. He, the soul, she, nature. Here, as Satyavan, the Supreme Master is the soul. In the author's note at the beginning of the book, Sri Aurobindo says that Savitri is the divine word, the daughter of the sun, the goddess of the supreme truth, who comes down and is born to save. And elsewhere he has also said that she is the divine mother. She is meeting her Lord in light and in darkness. This is our destiny, our purpose of existence. It is realized through many, many births and experiences. Satyavan is the highest of mankind in his development. The crest of the wave of God, the wave of God that is the universe. Here we first see him as Savitri first sees him. A tablet of young wisdom was his brow. 
Freedom's imperious beauty curved his limbs. The joy of life was on his open face. His look was a wide daybreak of the gods. His head was a youthful rishi's touched with light. His body was a lover's and a king's. Then Sri Aurobindo tells us how this beautiful being, led by the wisdom of an adverse fate, has been shaped and molded by growing up in the solitary forest wilderness. He is a foster child of beauty and solitude, and a brother of the sunshine and the sky. He has learned life in communion with the ancient mother, our earth. As he has lived and worked in all that the forest of the earth has to give to man, he has learned from the voices of the sun, the voices of the star and flame. He has learned from stream and wood and wild things. He is a Veda-knower of the unwritten book, becoming wise through life itself. The mastery free natures have was his. He was one with the single spirit inhabiting all. And on this fateful day, fateful for him as well as for Savitri, the spirit's spell of destiny on his feet has drawn him away from his usual paths into the beautiful sunlit spaces. Savitri is just passing through the golden virgin in her carven car. And on this day of fate, on her fate-led journey, she sees him for the first time at the edge of the green forest in the sunlight, between green relief and golden ray. At first, Savitri sees Satyavan only as a harmonious part of the beautiful scenery. Through this whole long journey, she's been searching for her life's partner, but she doesn't expect to find him here, in the wild, solitary woods. Sri Aurobindo writes, The heedless scout beneath her tenting lids admired indifferent beauty and cared not to wake her body's spirit to its king. But she does not pass on as she had thought she was going to do, because suddenly her vision settled, and touched by the god, her vision was caught, and Savitri was caught, and all was changed. Suddenly her heart looked out at him and knew someone nearer than its own close strings. The Book of Love Satyavan All she remembered on this day of fate, the road that hazarded not the solemn depths, but turned away to flee to human homes, the wilderness with its mighty monotone, the morning like a lustrous seer above, the passion of the summits lost in heaven, the titan murmur of the endless woods. As if a wicked gate to joy were there, ringed in with voiceless hint and magic sign, upon the margin of an unknown world reclined the curve of a sun-held recess.
groves with strange flowers, like eyes of gazing nymphs, peered from their secrecy into open space. Boughs whispering to a constancy of light sheltered a dim and screened felicity. And slowly, a supine inconstant breeze ran like a fleeting sigh of happiness over slumberous grasses pranked with green and gold. Hidden in the forest's bosom of loneliness, amid the leaves, the inmate voices called, sweet like desires enamored and unseen, cry answering to low insistent cry. Behind slept emerald dumb remotenesses, haunt of a nature passionate, veiled, denied to all but her own vision, lost and wild. Earth in this beautiful refuge, free from cares, murmured to the soul a song of strength and peace. Only one sign was there of a human tread, a single path, shot thin and arrow-like into this bosom of vast and sacred life, pierced its enormous dream of solitude. Here first she met, on the uncertain earth, the one for whom her heart had come so far. As might a soul on nature's background limbed stand out for a moment in a house of dream, created by the ardent breath of life, so he appeared against the forest verge, inset twixt green relief and golden ray. As if a weapon of the living light, erect and lofty like a spear of God, his figure led the splendor of the morn. Noble and clear as the broad, peaceful heavens, a tablet of young wisdom was his brow. Freedom's imperious beauty curved his limbs. The joy of life was on his open face. His look was a wide daybreak of the gods. His head was a youthful rishi's, touched with light. His body was a lover's and a king's. In the magnificent dawning of his force, built like a moving statue of delight, he illumined the border of the forest page. Out of the ignorant eager toil of the years, abandoning man's loud drama, he had come, led by the wisdom of an adverse fate, to meet the ancient mother in her grove. In her divine communion, he had grown a foster child of beauty and solitude, heir to the centuries of the lonely wise, a brother of the sunshine in the sky, a wanderer communing with depth and marge, a Veda knower of the unwritten book, perusing the mystic scripture of her forms, he had caught her hierophant significances, her sphered immense imaginations learned, 
taught by sublimities of stream and wood and voices of the sun and star and flame and chant of the magic singers on the boughs and the dumb teaching of four-footed things. Helping with confident steps, her slow great hands, he leaned to her influence like a flower to rain, and, like the flower and tree, a natural growth widened with the touches of her shaping hours. The mastery free natures have was his, and their ascent to joy and spacious calm, one with the single spirit inhabiting all. He laid experience at the Godhead's feet. His mind was open to her infinite mind. His acts were rhythmic with her primal force. He had subdued his mortal thought to hers. That day, he had turned from his accustomed paths for one who, knowing every moment's load, can move in all our studied or careless steps, had laid the spell of destiny on his feet and drawn him to the forest's flowering verge. At first, her glance that took life's million shapes impartially to people its treasure house, along with sky and flower and hill and star, dwelt rather on the bright harmonious scene. It saw the green gold of the slumberous sward, the grasses quivering with the slow wind's tread, the branches haunted by the wild bird's call. Awake to nature, vague as yet to life, the eager prisoner from the infinite, the immortal wrestler in its mortal house, its pride, power, passion of a striving god. It saw this image of veiled deity, this thinking master creature of the earth, this last result of the beauty of the stars, but only saw, like fair and common forms, the artist spirit needs not for its work and puts aside in memory's shadowy rooms. A look, a turn, decides our ill-poised fate. Thus, in the hour that most concerned her all, wandering unwarned by the slow surface mind, the heedless scout beneath her tenting lids admired indifferent beauty and cared not to wake her body's spirit to its king. So might she have passed by on chance ignorant roads, missing the call of heaven, losing life's aim. But the god touched in time her conscious soul. Her vision settled, caught, and all was changed. Her mind at first dwelt in ideal dreams, those intimate transmuters of earth's signs that make known things the hint of unseen spheres, 
and saw in him the genius of the spot. A symbol figure standing mid-earth's scenes, a king of life, outlined in delicate air. Yet this was but a moment's reverie, for suddenly her heart looked out at him, the passionate seeing used thought cannot match, and knew one nearer than its own close string. All in a moment was surprised and seized, all in inconscient ecstasy lain wrapped, or under imagination's colored lids, held up in a large mirror air of dream, broke forth in flame to recreate the world. And in that flame, to new things she was born.